Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. The entrance of your word gives light and gives understanding unto the simple. Lord, your word is forever settled in heaven, that your word is full of life and full of power, and we receive with meekness the engrafted word. Your word is able to save and deliver and heal our soul. Our mind, our will, our emotions are changed by the word of God. That we'll not be hearers only, but we'll be doers. We'll act upon your word. We trust the Holy Spirit to give us understanding and revelation, the eyes of our heart. We trust the Holy Spirit to work in us with fresh revelation and fresh application of your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word works effectually and mightily in us who believe that we are believers. And we thank you your word is working in us today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated if you want to. Praise the Lord. Uh, if you would open your Bible to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And we're going to uh, study uh, who you are in Christ or your identification with Christ uh, this morning. And uh, who you are in Christ. What you have in him. And wow, it is just one of my favorite subjects. Praise the Lord. Amen. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, we can start there if you have a King James Version or maybe if you have another translation of the Bible, then we'll do the best we can to work with whatever you've got. All right? Galatians 2.20, and Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, really when Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. And then he says, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. So really this is Paul's uh, testimony, but it's also Paul's declaration of faith. But it is not Paul's, only Paul's definition or declaration. This is really the confession of every believer. Every believer. In other words, each one of us should be declaring Galatians 2.20 that I am crucified by Christ. No longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Uh, years ago, I heard a preacher by the name of T.L. Osborne. He said, little I moved out and big Christ moved in. So when you made Jesus your Lord, what happened? Little I moved out and big Jesus moved in. Uh, defeated I moved out. Victorious Jesus moved in. This is what we call your identification with Christ. We know nowadays many people are having identity problems. Identity problems. Who am I? They'll try to identify all kinds of ways as a you know, a different kind of a person or sometimes identify as an animal or something. People have gone a little bit off, <laughs> off the scale. So, so if you don't know who you are in Christ, or if you don't let God tell you who you are, there's no telling what kind of feelings and thoughts and TV programs and stuff that will try to tell you who you are. But we're talking about your identity, your true identity, your real self, uh, your identification with Christ. The word identification just simply means to consider or treat as one and the same. To consider or treat as one and the same. Identification. The simplest illustration would be if you go to fly out, they'll ask if you have any identification. Well, you'll probably pull out your driver's license, but if you're going international, you'll pull out uh, a passport. They say, do you have any identification on you? And when you pull out your passport, what you're saying is, this is my legal identification. And what you're saying is, this passport and me are one and the same. We are identical. So what you do now that you're a Christian, you open your Bible and you see what Jesus has done for you on the cross in his death and resurrection, and you pull out your Bible and you go, well, 
That's right here and right here is identical. <laughs> in other words, what God did for me in Christ, he gave me the same life that's in Christ and the same victory that's in Christ and the same righteousness that's in Christ. So literally you find yourself in Christ. You find out who you are in Christ. You find out what you have in Christ. Well, uh, when I was in college, we took a psychiatry class, and so uh, I passed because they had multiple choice tests, and I am extremely lucky. So they say in, in psychiatry, if you study people's behavior, why they act a certain way and uh, why they live a certain way, then they'll say there's three kinds of determinisms. They'll say three kinds of determinisms. One is they call it genetic determinism. That means I'm the way I am because I was born like this or because my mama and my daddy. Genetic determinism has made me what I am. Then the next one they call it psychic or psychological determinism, which would mean I'm the way I am because of the way that I think or because of my experiences or because of what happened to me. In other words, if you knew my experiences or if you knew what happened to me, then you would know why I'm the way that I am. So you have, first of all, would have genetic determinism. Then you have psychic or psychological determinism has made me what I am. The next one would be uh, environmental determinism, which means I'm the way I am because my surroundings are where I was born come on, or if I was born in the hood, come on, that's made me what I am, my values, my thinking, or if I'm a redneck, came out of the country, then that's kind of made me the way that I am, or if I was raised around Democrats, I don't know if I should go into that, <laughs> so if I was raised around Republicans, then made me the way that I am. <laughs> so they call those three, three kinds, three major kinds of determinisms that control my life, the quality of my life, the way I think. But when you're a Christian, let's try that one more time. I said, when you're a Christian, the Apostle Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, that you become a new creature, that old things have passed away and everything has become new. So when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, then you cannot be controlled by genetic determinism. In other words, you've been born again, the Bible says. Are y'all still here? Or one translation says you've been refathered. So when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you get born again, refathered, and so you can't blame your daddy and your mama for your identity now because you've been born again. You're a new creature in Christ. Amen. So now you identify more. Your greatest identity doesn't come from uh, studying Ancestry.com. Where are you going to find yourself? Well, you'll find yourself in the Word of God. You'll find yourself in Christ, and you'll see who you are in Christ. So genetic determinism is reduced. Then environmental uh, determinism is reduced because, uh, you know, your surroundings are not greater than who you are on the inside, your spirit, man. And then... Um, experiences and what happened to me. So a lot of times people say, well, if you knew what happened to me in my experiences, you'd know why I am the way that I am. But when you make Jesus your Lord, then you see what happened to Jesus as your substitute. And what happened to Jesus is greater than anything that's ever happened to you. Or you could say God's work in Christ far exceeds any damage done to you by Adam's fall. In other words, no matter what has happened to you, what has happened to Jesus is greater than whatever's happened to you. Amen. So we call this identification with Christ or knowing who you are and what you have because you are now in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. 
I'm a new creature, Paul says, in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. So you'll see you are not just a new person, but you are a new kind of person that never existed before. All right, let's try it one more time. I say, you're not just a different person, but you're a different kind of person that never existed before because you are now in Christ Jesus. You're in him. So now your identity comes from who you are in Christ. Y'all still with me here? So you have, um, you have 130 in Christ scriptures in Paul's letters. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, you read Paul's letters. One writer said Paul's letters contain the thoughts that Jesus carried away from this world unuttered. All right, I'm going to say that one more time. Paul's letters, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Paul's letters. Paul's letters contain the thoughts that Jesus carried away from this world unuttered. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, in John 16, Jesus said, I have many things to tell you, but I cannot tell you now. So Jesus left this world without telling his greatest information. In other words, he said, I can't tell you now. You could not understand it. You could not receive it. He said, but when the Holy Spirit is come, he is the one that's going to enable you to receive, come on, all that I am and all that I've done for you. Amen. So we receive uh, Paul's letters are the advanced teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. So your Bible should be worn out in Ephesians and Colossians and Corinthians and Romans. But most people's Bibles worn out in Psalms because they identify more with the struggles of David. But you need to identify more with who you are in Christ than with the struggles of someone else. In other words, your Bible should be worn out in Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and Colossians. I'll show you why in just a second. In other words, Paul's letters, or let's say it this way, um, in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How many of you like to read Matthew? I love to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Of course, my favorite book is Mark, right? <laughs> so anyway, uh, the easiest, simplest, and smartest of all. But uh, I love to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But uh, the four Gospels, you see the teachings of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus. But in the four Gospels, a disproportionate amount of space is given to the events that lead up to the cross and the death and the resurrection of Christ. In other words, more details are given there. And if you go to Israel, how many of y'all have been to Israel? If you go to Israel, that's one of the things that they do is they take you down the Via Dolorosa. The Via Dolorosa means the, 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 the path or the place of suffering. So they take you where Jesus was beaten in all what they call the stations of the cross. And so you go to every station of the cross, and they'll say, this is what happened to Jesus here. This is what happened to Jesus here. Here's what happened to Jesus here. So uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see a lot of details about the death of Christ. The reason there's so many details is that Jesus said this is the reason that I came. Y'all still with me? In other words, Jesus said, the number one purpose and reason I came is to go to the cross. So the teachings of Jesus are wonderful. The miracles of Jesus are wonderful. But Jesus said, the number one reason I came is to die, to go to the cross. So something is going to happen on the cross. Something's going to happen on the cross. That is the number one reason Jesus came. Y'all still with me? Matter of fact, most religions embrace the teachings of Jesus. 
But to be a Christian, you have to embrace the death and resurrection of Jesus. Y'all still with me? All right, so what happened is Jesus said, I really came to die. You could say it this way, that Jesus in the earth ministry was healing people, casting out devils and blessing people, you know, and giving great lessons. Uh, but when Jesus went to the cross, he entered death as a man or as a human, or he entered death to destroy him that had the power of death. So you could say in his earth ministry, he's simply dealing with the branch offices of the devil. But in his death, he's going to headquarters to destroy him that had the power of death. In other words, something's going to happen on the cross. <laughs> so when God raised Jesus from the dead, Let's try this out over here. I said, when God raised Jesus from the dead. You see, so in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus raised from the dead. Well, what does he say when he's raised from the dead? All power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. Something happened in his death and resurrection that did not happen in his earth ministry. Something happened. Look at somebody and say, something happened, something happened. So Paul's revelation is primarily telling you what happened. Y'all still with me here? So in the four Gospels, you see what happened to Jesus. But in Paul's letters, you see what happened in Christ. Y'all still with me here? So the four Gospels give you a picture of your redemption that Jesus died and was raised from the dead. But Paul's letters give you the same picture, but gives you an x-ray. Now, you look a lot different in an x-ray than you do in a photograph. You look so different, most people will not send out an x-ray of themselves for Christmas. So... What happened in the photograph is you see Jesus dying, Jesus buried, and Jesus raised. But in Paul's letters, you see what? An x-ray, or you see what happened in the spirit, or you see what happened come on, in, in Christ, or you see what? What God saw, you see what the devil saw, what happened on the cross, what happened in the death of Christ, what happened in the resurrection of Christ, you see what happened in the unseen, you see whatever devil saw, whatever angel saw, and you see what God saw. Amen. Are y'all still in here? So Paul's revelation, the sig signature or is the two words in Christ, which is just a preposition in Christ, in Christ, in him, in whom. So everything God did in Christ, he did it for you and is set to the credit of your account just like you were there. All right, now I'm not going to go any faster than you can listen. So, I mean, I can go a lot faster, but if you're just going to keep staring at me, I mean, I'm going to stick with it until you light up a little bit. Amen. So everything God did in Christ. Listen, this, Paul's revelation is the center of the gospel. Y'all still with me? In other words, the gospel of Christ is the power of God. The same power that's in the events is in the message. Or the devil is just as afraid of the message as he is of the events. Because if you know the gospel and you speak the gospel, come on, and you declare the gospel, that message is the power of God. So the same power that's in the event is in the message. Yeah. 
or you could say it this way, this information is the most dangerous information in the world. You say, what do you mean by dangerous? They block my visa. Countries, whole nations block my visa because they don't want me to tell people this gospel. This information will change a nation. It will change a family. It will change an individual because it is the power of God. It will produce salvation and freedom in your life. It will set you free from unseen powers. Every devil will redeem you from the curse of the law and bless you coming in and going out. Come on. But no, no government can stop this message. Pakistan, no, don't let Mark Hankins in here. <laughs> India blocked my visa. Oh, I got into Turkey. I snuck in and got to preach to Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan. And those guys all went back carrying what? The gospel of Christ. It is the power of God. Come on, it'll set your spirit free and your life free. Amen. You'll no longer be a victim, no longer be controllable by any government or any person. When you know Jesus is your Lord, you are part of another kingdom, another country. Your citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Come on. This world is a mess, but baby, I'm on my way out of here. I ain't planning on staying here. Jesus is coming back. Praise the Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen. So to, to uh, understand the gospel makes you a dangerous person. Let's try it one more time. I said... <laughs> If you ever understand the gospel, you're not controlled by media, experiences, the local news, your kinfolk's opinions, because you got a Bible. And you found out what happened from the cross to the throne. You say, you say, yeah, I, I get what all you're saying is true, but let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about what happened on the cross. Let me tell you about the blood of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and that Jesus is alive today and he is coming back. Hallelujah. And I am saved. So when you made Jesus your Lord, you got you got born again. You can no longer say, you know, my mother. You're no longer a victim of my mother did this and my daddy did that. Come on. Because you got born again. You got refathered. Amen. You know who your daddy is. You've been refathered. God's my father. Amen. Amen. So you're saved or uh, born again, refathered, or you're saved means that you've been delivered from the power of darkness. Saved. Amen. Salvation, deliverance, safety. Or, y'all ready for this one? When you make Jesus your Lord, you receive the gift of eternal life. It's a gift. You don't get it when you die. It's best to get it before you die. <laughs> so when you make Jesus your Lord, you received eternal life. Are y'all still with me here? Well, where'd you get it from? Well, 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says, uh, we know we have eternal life. We know we have. In other words, we're not thinking, wondering, hoping, not saying, well, when I die, you know, I'm crossing my fingers. No, no, when you make Jesus your Lord, we know we have eternal life. He that hath the Son, Jesus, hath life. 1 John 5, 11, 12, 13, those three verses. 
He that hath the Son hath life. In other words, this life, Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life. It's a Greek word, zoe, which means the God kind of life. It literally means spiritual life. I'm come that you might have what? Life. So this life, eternal life, when you receive Jesus, that life comes into your spirit. And your spirit now gets lit up. You can tell people that have eternal life by looking at their countenance. In other words, even if you're in a store somewhere, 100 people in there, if you come across one that has eternal life, you may not even know who it is. You go, I think I know Jesus. Well, their countenance looked different. Their eyes looked different. Well, it says about Jesus in him was what? Life. And that life was the light of men. In other words, that life will lighten you up. It'll actually increase your intellect. Are y'all still here? Come on. That life will quicken your mortal body. In other words, even the cells in your body are quickened by this life. So it's, it's a real spiritual substance. It's the life that's in God. And that life's in you right now. You know you have it now. I know I have it as a present possession. And the devil cannot dominate any person that has this life. Come on, once you have this life and you know you have this life and you know what it is and you know what it does, the devil cannot dominate any person that has this life. This life is the crowning achievement of the plan of redemption. What do you mean? It's the number one reason Jesus came is he says, I am come. Come on, because here you are dead, controlled by the devil, controlled by sin. And he said, I am come not for you to have another religious lesson. I came to give you life, eternal life, life as God has it. Come on, eternal life, the God kind of life, spiritual life. Listen now, and it is this life. I said, it's this life that puts you in union with Christ. It is this life that defines you as a new creation. Praise the Lord. Amen. No matter what bad news you get in this world, when you know you have eternal life, you're going to be all right, you know. No matter, no matter what bad news you get in this world. Man, you go to the doctor and he says, ah, looks like you ain't going to live much longer. And you say, you know what? I ain't going to hell. <laughs> I have eternal life. <laughs> Are y'all still here? Come on, they come and repossess your car. You're standing out there. There they go with your car. You go. You know what? I ain't going to hell. I got eternal life. And if I got eternal life, I'll be getting me another car real soon. <laughs> so, so to understand or to live in the light of means you're conscious of, of who you are in Christ, your identification with Christ. So here's the way the Lord said to me, because we preach in so many different countries. He said, every Religion offers lessons, but only Jesus Christ gives life. Come on, you can go to all kinds of religions. Some of them have pretty good lessons. And some of them even embrace the lessons of Jesus. But if you're going to be a Christian, you have to embrace what happened from the cross to the throne, the death and resurrection. So every religion will give you a lesson. <laughs> Matter of fact, even some of your friends will give you lessons. Every, all kinds of people will tell you things you, you need to know. But Jesus didn't come just with a lesson. Jesus came and said what? I have come that you might have life. What is that life? It literally is the Greek word Zoe, but it is eternal life, and eternal has reference to the quality of the life, not just the length of the life. Because of its quality, it does last forever. 
Y'all still with me? Or some translators said you could translate it better. The life of the eternal one. So imagine God is going to give you and me the same identical life that he gave to Christ. All right, let's say it this way. Let's say it this way. God put in Christ what he wanted every person to have. Well, let's say it this way. One man, Adam, got us in this mess. And one man, Jesus Christ, got us out of this mess. <laughs> so Jesus, Jesus, okay, y'all still with me here? I'm trying to go, go a little faster, but y'all are thinking slow, so I'm staying with you. Jesus is called the last Adam. In other words, only two kind of people, Paul would say, old man, old style, old, old edition of human, and new man, new style, new edition of humans. Whole Bible's about two men. First man, last man. Last man standing. All right, so, so Jesus is called the last Adam. Y'all still with me? R, in Colossians, he is called the, the ark, the beginning, or the firstborn from the dead. Jesus is not the first man raised from the dead. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the first man to enter the death experience and master it. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he was not just overcoming rigor mortis. Rigor mortis is serious. People get stiff and they bury him in a box. But when God raised Jesus from the dead, he was not just overcoming rigor mortis or physical death. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he was overcoming everything Satan did in Adam. So Jesus literally was raised from the dead, dead, dead. In other words, he conquered physical death, spiritual death, and the second death or eternal death. So when God raised Jesus from the dead, he conquered death in all of its phases. Come on, hell in all of its holes, sin, all of its consequences. Y'all still with me here? So someone said, if you look at Paul's letters in Ephesians 1, he said when God raised Christ from the dead, he used Ephesians 1. Y'all still with me? When God raised Christ from the dead, he used what? Paul, in his revelation, Ephesians 1, he says when God raised Christ from the dead, he used what? Exceeding great power. There's not enough adjectives to describe what happened, the kind of power that was used. I've got in my book, Revolutionary Revelation, like two pages of all the adjectives and all the translations to try to explain to you the kind of power God used when he raised Christ from the dead. So when God raised Christ from the dead, he used what? Exceeding great power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Amen. All right, let's try to, y'all stay right there. He says, he says, Paul says, when God raised Christ from the dead, he used what? Exceeding great power power towards us who believe. Uh, got any believers in here? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So the other translation is exceeding great, unlimited, immeasurable, explosive power that raised Christ from the dead. Or right, let's say it this way. The resurrection of Christ is the greatest display of power in the history of the universe. Amen. 
One more time. I said the resurrection of Christ is the greatest display of power in the history of the universe. Number nine, listen close. Why? Why did God use such tremendous power, unlimited, immeasurable power to raise Christ from the dead? Two reasons. Number one, there was great resistance to the resurrection of Christ. Every devil tried to stop the resurrection of Christ, and nobody on earth even believed it was going to happen. But God released tremendous power, overcame all resistance, and raised Christ from the dead. Are y'all still here with me? Number two, the second reason God used such tremendous power to raise Christ from the dead was because when he raised Christ, he released enough power to undo everything Satan had done in Adam. Enough power to destroy the works of the devil. Enough power to make you a new creature, a new spirit, a new heart. Enough power to dissolve your past. Enough power to destroy your sin. Enough power to drive cancer out of your body. Enough power to heal you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Enough power, come on now, to set you free from the works of the enemy. Tremendous power available. And all that power... Come on, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet and your blood and your bones, come on, your organs. By his stripes we were healed, amen. In other words, he released enough power. Come on, to set your mind free, set your body free, set your spirit free. Woo, come on. Right now, right now, right now. Hallelujah. That power is towards us who believe. Do we have any believers in here? Say, I'm a believer. That power works in us. Come on, in my spirit, in my soul, in my mind, in my emotions, in my body, in my bone, in my bone marrow. Come on, in my kidneys, in my liver. Come on, my pancreas. Come on, in my eyes, in my teeth, in my lungs, in my heart. Come on, that power's working in me now. I'm carrying that power. Woo! Go ahead and shout about that. Hallelujah. Woo! Woo! Right, now sit down, sit down. I'm just about finished. I'm about finished. My, my time is up. Everything Jesus did. Y'all still with me? Everything Jesus did. He did it for you. Set to the credit of your account. Just like you did it. What does that mean? You were there. He was your substitute. You were identified with him. You are now in him, and your spirit is joined to him, and you are a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. You have been delivered from the power of darkness, and you have been translated into the kingdom of the Son of God. In him you have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Come on, redeemed by the blood, washed in the blood of Jesus, a new creature in Christ. So you're not just a forgiven sinner. Come on, struggling, living with consciousness of sin and failure. Come on, you're washed in the blood of Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ. Washed in the blood. Amen. So the power, let's say it this way, there is no power shortage. You know what I mean? Sometimes when you're struggling, facing a challenge, you feel weak and there's no, not enough power. The Lord told me one time, he said, never let your struggle become your identity. 
No matter how you're struggling, don't let that become who you are. Who you are is who God says you are. That's your identification with Christ. But yet when you're challenged in some level or area of your life, you always go to the cross, the blood, the death, the resurrection of Christ, your identification with Christ, your union with Christ. He lives in you. Little I moved out. Come on, big Christ moved in. Come on. He lives in you. His life is in you. Amen. Amen. Your identification with Christ. That's who I am. Some people say, well, who do you think you are? You say, how much time you got? Because I've got, I got 130 in Christ scriptures I'd like to read to you right now about who I think I am. Amen. Well, I don't know. Am I out of time already? Because I don't know where the clock says that. And, and uh, is that, what's that mean? Oh, well, they said it goes down to 15 minutes. And it said eight minutes. Does this mean I'm finished? I have eight more minutes? All right. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. All right. I've got time to give you. One or two more identification with scriptures, with Christ's scriptures. Identification. Everybody say identification. identification. Amen. Amen. And so if you've got all kinds of thoughts and feelings coming against you, just open your Bible and say, uh, well, I found myself right here. I am. <laughs> hey, I'm not what my mama made me. You're not what your mistakes made you. Come on, you're not what circumstances made you. You say, I'm who God made me, all right? So go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, and I'll finish up with this here. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 2. Ready? Y'all write this one down. This is a good one. Praise the Lord. Y'all are such a good class this morning. We have a few people walking out, but other than that, you know, we're doing the best we can. Y'all try to come back when you can. Uh, Ephesians chapter (laughs) 2. Yeah, I know they got an excuse. You're going to walk out while I'm preaching. Sit on the back. Don't sit on the front. Anyway, that's just a word of wisdom. Anyway, Ephesians chapter 2. <laughs> Everybody don't want to look at you while you're walking out. Sneak in, sneak out. You uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says, <laughs> sorry, I'm from Texas, you know. You might get shot in Texas if you get to walk out like that. So Ephesians chapter 2. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 says, can y'all find Ephesians 2? But God, who is rich in mercy. Wow, man, I can't wait till the next service. I hope I get further. But God, who is rich in mercy. All right, let's stop there just for a second. Never underestimate the mercies of God. The Bible says his mercies are new evermore. Great is his faithfulness. Y'all still with me here? In other words, this is like, this is a blood covenant reality. It is of the Lord's mercies. God who is what? Rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy for his great love, great love. In other words, this is more than just about, you know, a legal document. This is about his great love, his great love for you. But God, rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead, dead. He said we were dead in trespasses and sin. In other words, he's talking about spiritual death. That we were separated from God, that meant that we were under the dominion of the devil, controlled by trespasses and sins. He said, but even when we were dead in sin, what's it say? King James says he quickened us. Uh, he quickened us together with Christ. Now, all other translations, the, the Amplified Bible is probably the best. I don't know. Do you have an Amplified Bible back there or not? Amplified Classic, they call it. Now, the Amplified Bible says that he quickened us together with Christ. The Amplified Bible says he gave us the very life of Christ himself. Uh, Do you have it there? Yeah, here we go. He gave us 
the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he quickened him. For it's by grace and mercy that you're saved. So he gave us the what? Very life. He gave us what? The very same, so then to use this word, the same identical life that he gave to Christ. In other words, this is resurrection life. So he gave us the very same. We know this life is what? The God kind of life. We know it's resurrection life. We know it's the life that raised Christ from the dead. So that's overcoming life. And he gave us the very same uh -huh, life that he gave to Christ. The same life with which he quickened him. So he gave us the same identical, everybody say identical. He gave us the same identical life. In other words, you were there and he gave you the same life. And that spiritual life is the God kind of life. It's eternal life. It's the life of the new creation, the new man. He gave you the same spiritual life that he gave to Christ. The moment that life comes into your spirit, it makes you a new creature in Christ. Old things pass away and everything has become so your confession as a Christian would be, I have the life of God on the inside of me, the very same life that raised Christ from the dead. That life on the inside of me made me alive together with Christ and raised me up together with Christ and made me sit down together with him in heavenly places. Are y'all still here? So this is not the end of your faith. This is the beginning of your faith. That means when you're in a fight with your faith, you're using your faith. When you're in a fight, you don't, you don't fight to get up there. Your faith takes you there, and you fight from there. So you're not fighting down here trying to get up there. Come on, you're already up there fighting the fight of faith, so you're never really fighting. You're never really fighting for victory. You're, you're fighting from victory, Amen. seated up Woo! here, and the devil is way down there beneath your feet. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh for a minute. Say, ha, ha, ha. Come on. I said, you're seated up here, and the devil's way down there beneath your feet. So what do you do? You just go, ha, ha, devil, you down there, I'm up here. That means I'm not trying to get it. Jesus got it for me. Come on, God's grace gave it to me. And this is where I am seated together with God. So I go, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. the devil come against you, you say, never bring a knife to a gunfight. In other words, the weapons of our warfare are mighty loaded by God to destroy reasonings and imagination. Amen? So that's your identification. So when I first read that, I was just a teenager. I was 17 years old. 17. So I'm 70, so that's a little while ago. So at 17, Dad Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen, came to my dad's church, and he said, if you want the highest kind of faith, start studying the scriptures on who you are in Christ. Amen. Amen. Because your authority as a believer comes from who you are in Christ. Amen. So he said, start studying. Well, so I found out that there was 130 in Christ, in him, in whom scriptures. 130. But some of them are greetings. So really there's only 35 that, are, that you really have to study. 35. One of my favorites is 2 Corinthians 2.14. So Dad Hagen said, every time you see the two words, in Christ, in him, in whom? Circle, underline it. Write that down. That's describing who you are and what you have. So I, I went through the list, and my favorite was what? 2 Corinthians 2.14. Anybody know 2 Corinthians 2.14? Well, it was my favorite scripture. I was 17 years old. It says, now thanks be unto God, 
who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Triumph means to celebrate a victory. So now, thanks man, who always causes me to what? Triumph in Christ Jesus. Well, I don't know about you. I played sports growing up, you know, football, and our team was undefeated for four years. So we kind of got to where we like to win. We like winning. We're planning on winning. And when we got on the field, you are planning on losing because we are planning on winning. <laughs> because we have built a culture of winning. So we're undefeated. That means in, in four years, we only tied one game. Tied. We got back on our school bus and we were going back. And we were crying. We can't believe we tied a game. You see, God don't want you to break even with the problems of this life. He wants you to dominate. Come on. He wants you to, he wants you to triumph. Amen. Come on. He didn't find you barely went, you know. Yeah, a, a tie is like kissing your sister, man. We don't want no tie, man. We want to triumph in here. So God put you here to dominate. He didn't put you here to break even, man. Amen. So knowing who you are and your identification with Christ, praise the Lord. Even Nacho Libre wanted to win. I know y'all didn't watch that movie, so y'all don't look more spiritual than I am. But Nacho Libre, come on in. He said, don't you want to win? Don't you want a little taste of the glory? Don't you want to win? So when the devil's beating on your head, you just say, we just don't lose. We win. I'm winning. Amen. I win. In Christ, we win. In Christ, see yourself victorious in Christ. Amen. See yourself blessed in Christ. Are y'all the ones that walked out over there? All right. Well, y'all need to get off the platform. You see, you're walking out while I'm preaching. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Did you learn anything this morning? All right. God bless you. We'll take a break. I'll see you next service.